Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. Uh, if you like the show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it, but mostly just tell somebody that you know you listen to Lame Stream Sports, you love it, and they should too. So interesting episode today. We're going to do something a little different. We like to do that every now and then on, on the show, and so we appreciate you guys coming along on this journey with us. Uh, we're going to do a little bit more of a music focus today as there's a band in, in Nashville called Them Vibes. They've been around for about 10 years. They're putting out a record. They have an album release party coming up uh, on July 1st. And I thought we would have these guys in studio, Steve, to discuss what it is like as an independent artist to work on a record, press a record, put out a record, promote a record, and then play shows around that record. Um, and so we're going to have Alex and Brother Love. Those are their names because artists like to be mysterious. Uh, Alex and Brother Love from the band Them Vibes. You probably heard them all over Lightning 100. Uh, they were in studio to discuss a whole lot of stuff about what it's like to be an independent artist in Nashville in 2023. And all the music today you're going to hear on the show, of course, is from Them Vibes. I love how you say we had them in studio as if as if A, I was there for the interview and B, <laughs> this was... As it, you weren't indulging your love of music and digging into what? the music industry and, and and just taking advantage of the fact that uh, you just really wanted to have an interesting conversation with these guys. So here's the truth of the story. All that's technically true. Yes, factually, technically, technically true. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, we'll have an announcement here coming up in just a second. But I, I want to um, for the, for the this this is only this is why Nashville and they're going to talk a little bit about sort of the evolution of Nashville, why they came here and where they see the city going in the future from a culture standpoint. But what's really interesting is this is the most Nashville thing ever, how I got hooked up with these guys. So I am coaching my daughter's six-year-old softball team, and there's a, a girl on the team who's, you know... I'm, softball? T-ball? Uh, no, no, no. Very much. My daughter is in her second season of coach pitch. Uh, we're, wow. we're, try we're trying for that SEC Scully, baby. Title IX. Um, <laughs> so... So I'm, I'm, there's a girl on the team whose dad is kind of helping out with coaching and he's this great guy. And like, we, we known each other for like two months in, in this coaching si situation. And then I walk into basement East for a concert with a couple of buddies to go watch a band, uh, another band called the heavy heavy, which is a totally small up and coming band that is really fun to listen to. So we go walk in and sure enough, who's standing there, but this guy whose daughter's on my team, he is of course, one of the people that works at basement East to manage the stage and he's managing a band and he goes have you heard of these guys them vibes and i go yeah i've been listening to funky family for like a year now i heard it on lightning 100 now, only in nashville can i be coaching a, a, a girl on a softball team whose dad manages a band who i then walk into basement east to see and he asked me about them and i have it on my phone and i'm already listening to it it's the most insular nashville thing in the history of the world but it's how we ended up with alex and brother love on the show today and they've got a great new record coming out July 1st, Basement East is the record release party. Go get some tickets. Come out. It's a great time. It's a fun listen. It's it's not not at all like the album we're going to discuss later on in the show in terms of in terms of the general vibes. Um, it's it's just great rock and roll. So um, there you have it. That's how the, that's the origin story, Steve. So great. I look forward to listening to it. You're so condescending sometimes. <laughs> um, all right. Quickly, though, before we do that, as as usual, of course, the podcast brought to you by Jaspers. But before we go to do Jaspers. that, go to Jaspers. Before we do that, a quick announcement on the show. Uh, we have launched a brand new product from 440 Media. It is entitled Pod Bless Nashville. Uh, I am hosting that show with Jamie Holland, a former city councilman, which I'm sure he'll love. I led with. 
a uh, zoning attorney in this city. He's been around a long time fighting battles with Metro government. I am sort of fulfilling my desires to pivot into covering what's going on in our city uh, in a different way, Steve. Of course, I'm, I'm entering your creature world is what I'm doing, and uh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, Pod Bless Nashville across the socials, Pod Bless Nashville everywhere you get your podcasts. We have a couple of episodes up. We're going to have a mayoral preview with uh, some guy named Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. Uh, where guy's we sit, an idiot. Yeah, where we idiot. sit down, where we sit down for more than an hour and discuss the state of the current mayoral race. So if you want to get sort of your your feet wet on what's going on in that that race, uh, NashvilleBanner.com I recommend. But also please go subscribe, tell everybody about the new product, Pod Bless Nashville, and one of our guests. Our second episode was exclusively about the fairgrounds, the history of it, the present and the future. And of course, you'll know the name Nate Rao. And I wanted to give you guys a little taste of that show. So here was a little clip from the brand new product from 440 Media, Pod Bless Nashville. Here's a clip of Nate Rao from Axios. There's always been an element of neighbors who have opposed having a racetrack there. Uh, Councilman Sledge, uh, before he was a councilman, uh, supported Mayor Dean's plan to uh, demolish it and to and to redevelop it, I think, is really what he supported. Uh, The highest, best possible use. My answer to that is that that neighborhood has changed. It has changed. I mean, it's developed. A lot more people have moved in. It's denser than it used to be. And I think that there are legitimate questions about putting a NASCAR level racetrack in the middle of an urban neighborhood. And the other issue is, the, and I haven't heard this addressed very much, but that soccer stadium has stressed that neighborhood. You would know better than me how many games they have. Is about <laughs> 17. Tw- yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, Nate, to, to your point, I have a very difficult time deciding how to go to and get out of the soccer matches. Yeah, no, it's like you're on the Goonies expedition to figure <laughs> out how to tre- make the trek up there. It's it's crazy. You know, do I go to Emma Rose? Do I head into Berry Hill? I've, I have friends who live in that area. They complain about people walking through the yards, parking in front of their driveways. I mean, it's it's a struggle. You're going to add more to that neighborhood. You're going to add more events, more concerts, more races. You're going to have a NASCAR event every other year. The noise is legit, man. I used to live off Carruthers. Uh, I could hear those cars going around. It didn't bother me that much, but I didn't live that close, and I think it did bother others. So I, I definitely am empathetic to that. So you kind of added, and, and I will say, there are concerns about the financing too. There are people who have studied this the most and are a little, are very leery of how this thing would be paid for. So you kind of add all that together and you end up with this robust opposition. There, there's, It's fascinating to me because recent polling, of course, paid paid for by Bristol Motor Speedway, the Heart Research, uh, which is a very you know very high level, very respected polling company. Basically, forty two percent for this is a countywide poll, forty two percent for, thirty percent against, twenty twenty eight percent unsure. That then jumps to to almost two thirds for the racetrack development. When you start including more details, those details, of course, were written in the questionnaire by the people trying to build the stadium. So that's just just worth noting. Um, there's arguments though, that like, if you want to live in an urban neighborhood, you kind of have to deal with this. You also save the fairgrounds. You were part of saving the fairgrounds. I agree with you that the neighborhood is super stressed. I I think there's fatigue on public subsidy. That's how John Cooper fought the battle against John Ingram in the first place was he kind of had some public sentiment behind him. And we ended up with a fully privately funded soccer stadium, essentially. The Titans deal is a factor in all of this because we just... 
the details of the Titan Stadium, Nate, I don't think, and you've done a ton of reporting on this, I don't think people still fully understand the difference between obligation bonds and revenue bonds and sales tax capture and motel taxes and all this stuff. We still have a giant East Bank development that's not even on the blocks yet, that's not even on the table yet, that's going to cost a fortune. It does feel like if we're talking $100 million or some reports, Nashville scene, $165 million, it, it does feel like a drop in the bucket compared to the Titan Stadium. Why why the fatigue and why the animosity towards... What, what are the concerns in your mind as you've reported in terms of how it's going to get paid for? I think we talked about this uh, on, on your other show when the Titans deal was coming down. We are in an existential crisis as a city about what kind of... What are our priorities, right? I know people who understand metro government. They don't know exactly how the soccer, or I'm sorry, the race check would be paid for. That's not what they're upset about. They're upset about the idea that the smartest people in the city are spending their time equity and their values on things like a racetrack that doesn't compute with them. They, they don't have sidewalks. <laughs> they can't walk their kids right. to school. It doesn't matter that it's a different pot of money, right? It is a different pot of money though. Hey, that was Nate Rao. Yeah, Nate Rao. Well, you know Nate. I know Nate. You guys on this show know Nate. Uh, glad to have him on the show. So uh, again, Steve will be on there with our very next episode. We're going to come out weekly. We've got lots of plans for you guys, premium content, in-person gatherings, all kinds of stuff, but uh, definitely not sports related. So if you're interested in news and politics and metro government and history in Nashville, please go check that out. Pod Bless Nashville everywhere you get your podcasts. I think that's sufficiently promoted at this point, Steve. Very well, very well done. And and right. and and listen to the episode, if if for only to listen to Nate because Nate's great. Nate is great. Uh, and then we step down in quality of guest on our next episode, yeah. and Steve Cavendish comes in studio for a full episode to break down the mayoral race. So go check that out. We really appreciate your support. Of course, uh, without any more blathering, go to Jasper's. Here was my conversation with Alex and brother love of them vibes, right here on Lamestream Sports. <laughs> brother love and alex from them vibes of course the band uh here from east nashville album release party july 1st basement east joining us in studio which is very rare uh boys thank you so much for joining us we do appreciate it. how are we doing today oh grand fantastic thank you for having us it's nice to meet you finally yeah. all right so just so everybody knows the voices uh brother love let's let you introduce yourself first so everybody can hear your voice my name is brother love hello this is my <laughs> voice speaking hi <laughs> alex this go ahead is the voice of alex all right um all right so we're, we're you guys are from uh the northeast you're from uh boston and new york but you've been down here in nashville for a long time putting out a few records uh, a lot of stuff you guys have put out over the last couple of years uh, we're going to get to the new record in, in, in just a second, but sports fans as well. So lots of sports to talk about with you guys uh, on the product today. But before we do any of that, just exactly what do people need to know about what's coming up next weekend, where they can get your product, where the, the new single power is going to be streaming, like give everybody everything they need to know about what's coming up over the next two weeks. Asking the tough questions. I love it. Brother love, kick it off. What do we got? All right. So... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> July 1st. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> oh, good morning. I was clearing my throat. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, July 1st at the Basement East in East Nashville, Tennessee. We are performing. Uh, we are uh, playing a show with a band called Ace Monroe. Yeah. 
So it's Them Vibes and Ace Monroe, July 1st at the Basement East. It's a Saturday night. It's a rock and roll show. It is a rock and roll show, just like Alex said. And then we are, and then Alex will take it from here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you covered those bases. And then June 30th, we are releasing our brand new single, Power, to all digital platforms. The Amazons, the, uh, the Apples, uh, the Spotify's. And the rest. And the rest. <laughs> Off of this fine album that's that's physically available right now. Yep. But it's... digitally, you know, the future or today. Uh, when are we releasing this guy digitally? Digitally, uh, it is September 1st, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. But I want it now, Daddy. I want it now, Daddy. So how do I get it? You can go to our website, themvibes.com. We have vinyl. Alex is holding vinyl in his hand. We, uh, we supported a local place that supported a local band. Vinyl Lab in Nashville, Tennessee. Imagine that. Created, uh, was able to, to print these on vinyl, and we didn't have to wait two years. We actually, uh, the standard turnaround time was was just fantastic. Scott and everybody over at Vinyl Lab, just fantastic people. Top notch. Top yep. notch. They got a great venue. They have a stage. And they the vinyl sounds, it sounds exactly the way we want it to, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that is the beauty of vinyl, of course, which means if you want the record now, right. you need to either go to themvibes.com or come to the show on July 1st at Basement East. It's not a hard thing to understand. But you should absolutely come out. So true. A uh, couple more plugs, actually, because yeah, uh, you yeah. know uh, you can also get this record at uh, let's just love on uh, Nashville. We, there's Grimies, there's right. the Groove, uh-huh. and I believe Vinyl, vinyl Tap, tap right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, the big three we call them. There it is. Yes, the Rushmore of vinyl of record <laughs> exactly. stores. Yeah, <laughs> Grimies, the Groove, and Vinyl Tap. I, I I shop at all three, but I'm not going to lie. I can walk and drink at Vinyl Tap. So shout out to to the yep. wonderful, yeah. amazing folks at Vinyl Tap. Um, all right, so. So just out of curiosity, before we get into your story, when you put out a record, can you try to all that stuff you just said, the process of putting together the party, the process of getting it printed at a different place and or getting it pressed at a different place? Like, can you try to explain to people how different that is in 2023 than 2013, 1982, like just how much more stuff you guys have to do? Well, let's start with the fact that uh, there's your budget is zero dollars. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, you know, but if you want, 1983 no haggling. to now is like, woo, way different, way different. Um, that shift from like having, for, it's a beautiful thing that, you know, there's freedom now where anybody can make a record, right? But the downside is that anybody can make a record so at that point it is very diy trying to figure out how to print something that usually back in the day uh or even today of course uh, a label uh would pay for this you know and so being independent artists it is uh you know it's quite costly but i mean it's worth it if you're making a record that you truly believe in and deserves to be on this platform you will find a way, you know, um, but it starts there really, you know, and, uh, that type of promotion that you're going to have to do all on your own. So it's all the social media stuff that has to come from you, all the promotion to, to move this record, you know, in hopes of actually just making that, that money back for, you know, what keeps us alive and keeps us going. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, especially you're talking about it, let's say 1983, you'd have a you'd have to have a record contract and the record the record would cost up anywhere from maybe a quarter million dollars 
to a half million dollars to over a million dollars. And that's just the cocaine budget. And that's exactly. (laughs) So once you get past that, then then you start making the record. But, you know, now we have, how many thousands of songs do you think come out every Friday? Every Friday? Um, And like, uh, I mean, I mean, mean, when they're they're promoting thousands of songs, a million songs comes out on Friday. Right. I mean, like, you, 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 you'll, Listen, you'll hear, you'll say, wow, um, uh, like Jason Isbell, new record. I would have heard of that years ago. There would have been, you would have heard of this record months and months before, right? They would promote, they would spend a lot of money because there wasn't, there weren't 10,000 things happening every, every Friday. So you'd say, wow, Jason Isbell, new record. I just drove by the billboard. When is it? It's in August. It's now January. Wow, August, cool. Now an album drops and it's somebody faint like Jason is, but I didn't know he had a new album out. You know, I just like, I just, it just happens so quickly. And the budgets now, they're not necessarily having to spend all the money on the advertising and on the radio because it's all social media. You have younger, younger folks who basically getting record deals on TikTok. They're making all the videos and stuff and, and, and people are consuming in much different ways than they used to. So the fact that we can actually print vinyl and that vinyl sales have exceeded CD sales for the first time, probably ever, or in a long time, um, is really fun and cool because we love the medium of vinyl. Well, because we make album-oriented art. By that, I mean, like, it's not just a single-driven record. It is, you know, from from track 1 to 11, there is a story there. And for you to fully get it, is to see, you have to sit down and listen to it top to bottom and enjoy that experience because for Larry and I, Brother Love and I, uh, when we started this band, that was the intent really was to make records, yeah. not just a buffet of singles. Yeah, and we we were friends. You know, we were living together, and we. No, you may not ask a question. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I cut you off. We were living together, but we had such a love for records and actually holding the record in our hands. And, you know, we had such a, uh, we, we always buy records. We buy records for each other now. We see, oh, you have to have this or I have this. You know, it's something that's such a joy to hold on to, to look at in my, in my hands. I can look at, look at it. And, and Alex said, it is a journey and it's such a, an amazing journey from top to bottom. So I, I want to get into how you guys got here, but I do, you've already like got me into like three different things I want to ask about a rock and roll, the, the story you're telling. Cause I, I, people look at me like I'm crazy when I say, no, I, I listened to like that entire thing from start, like on Friday afternoons, the girls, my daughters go to bed, uh, you know, a little brown water in the glass. I want something that I can like actually sink my teeth into and spend time with. And that is something we do not do as a country, as a society in general. We don't spend any time just thinking and, and, and being in a present place. But I think that's what a great record will do. So that that's my first comment, which isn't really a question. Uh, but the second one is, how do you define rock and roll today in 2023? Because I find it as a kid who grew up on the grunge stuff that changed music forever and also Zeppelin, mostly, and the Stones and the 70s stuff with the Allman Brothers and all these bands that I found through my father. What, how do you define it today? Like, what's a rock star look like today in 2023? There's two ways to define rock and roll. The most rock and roll music right now is hip-hop. By that I mean it is dangerous. Uh, it is pushing the envelope it scares your parents you know that's what elvis did that's what the beatles did but on a sonic side of things rock and roll is a beautiful gumbo 
of all styles, all roots music. So rock and roll came from the church. That was Elvis. That was Little Richard. You know, that was Sam Cooke. They all learned their chops. James Brown from the church. You listen to the Stones. They have funk elements in there. They have R&B. They have blues. It's hard to really define, but it is, it's where you do knock down every boundary and then you just go for what is guttural and soulful. Those two things coming together make rock and roll. Because there's a bit, but there's an, the biggest point to rock and roll is the roll. And Larry will t- describe that to you. Absolutely. Even if you're listening to, uh, you know, old church music that doesn't have an electric guitar, you know what I mean? Like Alex is saying, it, you have the rock, right? Keith Richards, right? You got the rock, but you got to have the roll. You got to dance. And all of this music that we grew up listening to, I mean, I can dance to it. I mean, like you, you have a groove to it. It has a soul. It has a pulse. People say, I can't dance. I have no rhythm. It's like, you have a heartbeat. So you absolutely have, you have rhythm, you know, and, and everything we listen, I was listening, we were listening to, oh my gosh, 1979, Chris Cross, Christopher Cross. The man. Sailing takes me away to where You know, it's like Michael McDonald singing background vocals. This record was like soft core porn rock and roll you know what i mean like when we first heard it we like i said oh gosh i was you know eight years old or whatever i listened to this thing i was absolutely swaying i was rolling and rocking and rolling and it's not a hard rock record it wasn't black sabbath or it wasn't the stones you know so i mean the one with the billy ocean on it too no no he's i think that's the next record yeah yeah yeah. so so how did you guys settle i'm always fascinated by a collection of people with a collection of perspectives and and sounds and minds in their head coming together to create this singular thing that like as a non-musician is sounds like the most impossible task ever created so first of all tell everybody what the name of the record is i'm not sure you actually told everybody what the name of the record is but how how did you get to that sound because i think everybody who listens to you will hear the funk element they'll hear the soul element they'll hear the rock element uh was it need somebody off the first record uh that that, that was like to me i hear Traveling Wilburys. I grew up with Traveling Wilburys, and I hear that a lot. Hopefully, that's not insulting because it's one of the most talented rock and roll bands of all time, in my opinion. But how dare you compare us to Roy Orbison, <laughs> yeah, George no, Harrison, Tom Petty, say. and Jeff Lynne? Oh, that's the this other. guy really insulted us, man. <laughs> We're leaving. The fifth Wilbury, yeah. Um, no, like I hear that, but then I can come back to another song and hear Stevie Wonder, you know, on the on the new record. So, how did you guys settle on what you wanted to be, and then where this record is is taking you? I guess we've never settled on what we want to be. We're still trying to figure all that out. We started writing music together just out of the fact that we we just had it in common. We were playing in a country rock band from New York. Alex was on guitar, I was on drums, and we just started writing songs. And this and and it's like a, it's a relationship. You know, all of a sudden you you realize, wow, we think the same way and we 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 say things in a very similar way and we kept at it and we kept at it and we kept at it because we enjoyed doing it with each other and then along the way we would work with a a producer named bobby holland who's worked with us for the last you know for the last three four records that we've done and so you know we've come from recording a record in our house in the living room of our house um which was shine on that had need somebody on it to then working in a studio with Bobby Holland, but then we did it again with Bobby, and then we did it again. So we've grown together as as sort of a, you know, we know how we work with each other. What you know, Alex is amazing at what he's amazing at, and then and then Bobby's amazing what he's amazing at, and hopefully you know I'm amazing what I'm amazing, and all of a sudden it comes together. It, 
See, that means it's true. It's, it's coming together. That's, that's that means all it is. it's true. And so, it's also a good rock and roll. So, song. this Sonic Chameleonic, we got back together with Bobby Holland, and it was Alex and I. You know, Alex and I write all the songs, and we have a few co-writes. We write with some other folks, and this record just sort of it just grew out of the out of our lives from where we were. We weren't trying to say, well, let's make it like this or like that. You know, where we started, we were in a country rock band, as as uh, I love saying, and at in that band, I was supposed to be strictly the guitar player, and Larry was strictly supposed to be the drummer, even though we were, at that time, you know, early 2000s, learning how to write songs. And, like, we had songs in us. Like, Larry already had two records under his belt for uh, you know, Under Brother Love, and, you know, I, like, wrote, and I was growing as a writer. And But at being in Nashville... You know, the more you did it, the the more I was just passionate. We were passionate about it. But in that band, we were not supposed to be the writers. But as the years went by, Larry and I, like, we found commonalities in what we loved as far as music. Like, I would play him Tom Petty, and he would play me Sly and the Family Stones. We had to love the Beatles and all, and the Stones. And, and in the midst of this uh, country rock band where we were trying to kiss the brass ring of of music row, we were writing that kind of music or they were writing that kind of music. So like our souls were very stifled as far as like what we really want to write about. So when that band broke up, Larry and I, first song we ever wrote was Need Somebody. And it wasn't necessarily ever like a choice. It was like searching for the sound that moved us. That's how writing works. It's like when you hit it, when it comes from the skies and it falls to you, like it, moves you and it's never really a choice of like this is what we're going to do we never decided like this is the sound we wanted to make it was more like what moves and grooves us and as time went by i feel like we refined ourselves as writers because our first record was it was all over the place you know we wanted to make our revolver record you know where where they did have the acoustic side of things and the you know and just the bombastic rock and roll and then you know a couple records later on electric fever we started to finally introduce our funk elements that we loved. And through that, we defined ourselves solely as them vibes. Like before there used to be like, you guys sound like this, you sound like this, you sound like that, you know, and all complimentary for sure. But what we get most now is like, man, you guys just sound like you. Does it, and again, I, I, I joked about the traveling Wilburys thing, but like, do you, is it, is it insulting to any artist to just be when somebody comes up and goes, man, I really like your sound. You sound like so and so. Depends on who you're uh, being compared to. <laughs> on, you really uh, sound like you really sound you know? like Maroon Five guys. And like, how much really of an do. and how much of an ego you have about yourself? How seriously you take yourself? You know what I mean? Some people just like if if you don't say the right thing to somebody, no matter what it is in life, they might get upset. They get offended. You know, oh, I'm sorry I didn't say Tom Petty. I'm right. sorry I said Jeff Lynn. I am definitely Tom Petty. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, easy, you know. And also, how do we know how somebody's going to, you know, how right. our reflection... Man, you sound like Dan Fogelberg. You're like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you have to put it out there, I'm assuming. And then what is the feeling like, I'm assuming, so July 1st, Basement East, we're all going to be there. And then people are going to take it home and they're going to listen to it. It's so out of your control at that point. Yeah. To let somebody just be with it. How, do, do you like think about how someone do you do you just be as authentic as possible, be yourself as much as possible and then just sort of like step back from it and take your hands off of it? Like, how do you well, does that is that a thing that happens in your mind? Oh, That's, the circle's finally complete now. Yeah. You know, it's like we make this music solely to 
keep our souls alive and satisfied even one might say one might say that yeah uh you know in that's the initial start but it's giving it away and having a response and having a connection can only happen when someone actually takes it home and listens to it and we you know spend time obviously creating the record recording the record like this record took a long time to record we did basic tracks for most of it um gosh what year was that 2021 and then we didn't get back to the studio until 2022. And now it's being, it's coming out now. So, you know, we had time to actually go back and redo things and rethink things and shape things. And it's the record that we're, we're absolutely proud of. There's not one thing on this record for me that I'm like, man, I wish I could have that moment back. And then like to what you were asking is uh, when people go home and listen to it, what are they taking from it? And we took time with the track listing. You know, so that, the, you know, that there's an arc, that there is a journey um, for the whole thing. And so we're proud of that as well. You, you guys have kind of been putting pieces of this out over the last, I don't know how long, like 12, 18 months, 24 months. You said you worked on it for a while. Can you try to explain what the pandemic did to creative people in general? I know a bunch of them here in town uh, that I've talked to, but for you guys, how, what was that sort of isolation we've seen incredible art come out of it like what what was that like for you guys in relation to the record the record wasn't on our radar during the pandemic if anything um you know you know i was uh with the time that we had that was the one thing that the pandemic did for all adults was that you finally had time you know i mean love it or hate it you actually had time on your hands and like you could grow a garden you could become an alcoholic you could become sober you know what i mean you could grow an alcoholic and become a garden (laughs) right i mean but we actually we released our last ep right at the beginning of the pandemic we had our last ep called why the funk not a five song ep we literally dropped it was like march of 2020 so there there was that example of like the just the steam engine just hit a wall and that was the end of that and so right it was true and then uh and then at that time too um you know there we were we did start to write a lot as well and in that process uh i ended up making a record with uh with bobby and larry producing and one of the things that opened up from that record was the personnel on uh my record restless like because at that point i wanted to involve all my dear friends that are super talented and because of that, we that somewhat influenced our decisions on Sonic Chameleonic as far as like, you know, like we can broaden the artistic spectrum of this record with the talents that we have. We don't have to stick with like the core band itself. It's right. like, let's invite players that aren't in the band, but our dear friends that are amazing. And so that's why you have Billy Justineau on this record and Kevin Nolan, Matt Nolan, um... Dustin Ransom. Dustin Ransom as well. Um, Lady Couch. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, and, and, but he's being, you know, he's being very mature about this. His record sounded so damn good. It's like, how are we going to, oh my, how are we going to beat this? This record's amazing. I mean, the record, the growth through the pandemic to do Alex's record, and he wrote a beautiful record. He's such a poet. And the record is so, it's gorgeous. And we, like you said, we had such a great time. It wasn't just like the boss, like he was the boss. It was his record. On our records, where are the bosses? You know, do this, do that. Not, we let go. 
we let go where it was like, what do you think? What do you think? You know what I mean? And if somebody had a real, uh, somebody was felt strongly, well, then let's hear, hear them out. And with that, created the space for way more creativity. So the people that we invited down, that Alex invited or I invited down, really got to do their thing. Get, you know, you get up, set up, play the keyboards. It wasn't like, well, what do you guys hear? Just do you. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business and occasionally music. And it is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. Do you have seasonal drinking preferences like most adult humans, I guess? Oh, yeah. Like, is there, are there certain drinks? Like, what? So Jasper's has some brand new menu items on, on the drink menu. Very summery, frozen cocktails and beverages to keep you, you know, refreshed and cooled during these hot summer months in Tennessee. What What are the things you... I want to know what you will not drink in a particular season. Like, what do you just not drink at all during the summer? What do you not drink at all during the fall? Like, what's... What's eighty uh, six? I, I can't drink heavy beer in the summertime. Just can't do it. Uh, you know your stouts, your 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 chunky uh, your your chunky beers. Chunky can't, beers can't can't I've you know never, full never mouth. You, you, the, the when the beer nerds start saying, "Oh, it has a full mouth feel." You know, which, Jesus Christ, that's. Do I need to get consent before I get drink that beer? No, uh, I can't, can't, can't do it. I need something. I need something light. I need something, uh, maybe with, um, like a fruited, uh, a fruited that, ale, maybe, maybe, uh, it's something that can't, uh, and something that is low on the, uh, ABV. Like, see, like I don't, the, I, like I these, agree like with these high, like these, these high gravity beers in the summertime. Can't do it. So I did, I, I agree with you. There's no way porters or stouts are on my menu in the summertime, but I still like my 8.5s. I, I don't mind the 8.5s. The thing I'm into now is fruited IPAs and maybe like a nice, uh, strong sour. I've never really been a sour drinker, and I've sort of started to find a few that I like that, again, I don't like drinking beer unless it's above 7%. Like, I don't want a beer that's like 4.5. Like, I, that, that's a waste, oh, of, ca- oh, oh, a waste oh. of calories. And it's not a it's not a waste of calories. It's it's something that doesn't make you that you can sit there and and have you know two three four of them. I only need one. <laughs> and, and and don't and you don't walk out of the conversation feeling like you know your your head is just ten pounds heavier. Hang on, if I do my math correctly, and you have four beers at five percent and get to twenty percent, and you're you think your head is clearer than my head is, after two seven percenters, which is this, by my math is, is fourteen. This is, first of all, science. It's science, Steve. It's not science. It, this is not. This is not in any way scientifically accurate. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're telling me that you could drink four beers and I could drink one, and that I'll be the one that's too drunk, and that you'll be level-headed and and in perfect motor skills. It, it all depends on on the amount of time it takes. By the way, I love that you like keep taking the number of beers that I'm drinking up. You said uh, three or you said two, three or four. Yeah, That's what you said. and then four. you have immediately gone to four. Um, go to Jasper's. Uh, <laughs> the I, I just can't. Uh, I, I just can't. I, I can't do the chunky stuff. Just can't. Just can't do it in the summertime. I, I like a little something frozen if it's hot and I'm outside, um, or you know, sitting on the patio or you yeah. know, whatever else. A, l- um, a lot of people don't drink whiskey or bourbon in the summer, and one of the things that I think. Like what I've discovered as a, a beach goer in a beach in a family, my in-laws are just all beach people. So we end up going to the beach a lot. A very unusual habit. Um, and I 
I do Tennessee mules at the beach now. I'll get that like 32 ounce Yeti. I'll put like six shots of bourbon in there, like two full cans of ginger beer, like two full limes, a bunch of ice, like load it all the way up to the top, take it down to the beach. And I don't have to come back for like six hours. Right. I can just I can just sip on one glass of something for so long. And it's fairly refreshing. And I don't have to like worry about bringing a bunch of like mixers or, you know, I've I don't done th- that. I've done that same thing. And, you know, investing in the Yeti knockoff. Uh, was uh was very good because it stayed cold all afternoon even no at, even at the beach yeah no free shots. um so go check out jasper's new summer drink menu uh is there anything in the fall like do you I, I like i can do bloody mary's pretty much anytime but there's something about football season that makes me want a bloody mary at like right around 10 45 right before college football kicks off i get off the air Right, right as you, right as you're uh, right right as you're walking out of uh, off the strip to get to to get to Nayland Stadium. No, that no no that you're, that's exact. That's a good point. I one of the worst hangovers I've had as an adult was like one of the last games I went to at Nayland Stadium because I tried to drink beer for the entire game preview pregame, and I, I was probably like 38. This was like three three years ago, and I was sitting in Nayland Stadium, like sitting there by the third quarter with my head in my hands. It hurt so bad because I drank beer the entire time. And I have literally never tailgated with beer since then. I can't. I can't do beer anymore. I've got to do just like give me a couple glasses of liquor. No, no, no calories, no carbonation. I can't do it anymore. Uh, but the Bloody Mary is for air conditioned situations. Yes, it, it's very, a, it's, very, very much so. And it, you know, it, it's a brunch thing. I mean, I, it, like, is. I, it is. I, if I'm having brunch, you know, I, I have a Bloody Mary. My wife, a connoisseur of the Bloody Mary, loves them in all shapes, forms, and sizes. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a a plain uh, a plain. Does she, want, does she want like the whole salad meat. in there, like okra? Oh, she'll, and she'll do the she'll do the whole salad. Okra, yeah. huge fan. Oh, that's great. So my yeah. wife thinks she loves Bloody Marys. She's always like, "Yeah, will you get one so that I can have the one sip that I want, and then you can finish it?" I'm like, "Sure, that's great. That's fine with me. That means I get most that's of the." It's a Bloody nice Mary. division of labor. It is. She's like, <laughs> she goes, "I kind of want a Bloody Mary," and I go, "No, you don't. You want one sip of mine." And she goes, "Yeah, you're right." And then she gets like a mimosa, you know, or something different. But no, I get off the air at ESPN like 10.55 a.m. That Bloody Mary's in the hand by 10.56. And I sit down at 11 for kickoff of college football. It just feels right in the the fall. Also, Jaspers also just feels right. Any time of the year. Go to Jaspers. I want to ask you about your journey to Nashville. You guys are sports fans. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in a second. But uh, something I've, as a novice, have noticed, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the the 70s predate me by just a few years, and so I didn't grow up in that music, but I have listened to it my entire life. I feel like I am seeing and hearing a lot more of that influence now when I go to basement e shows, let's say specifically, where I'm going to go see a club show with bands that are kind of on the on the rise, that have two or three records that are clearly extremely good. I, I don't, you know, they're... I saw the Sheepdogs recently. I saw the Heavy Heavy recently. There's these. There's this. I, I don't. I don't know what the spirit is of that era. But do you sense? You guys certainly have a lot of those vibes. There's a lot of funk in the '70s as well. Do you guys feel that that is something that is cycling back into mainstream, or is it because of what Music Row is trying to push on us that that has become what we see at Bass Minis? Does that does that question make sense? It does. I mean, there's there's a mixture of uh, of elements happening. Uh, at least the way I see it. Like for for one, during the 1970s, late 60s, 1970s, the artistry of individuality was 
constantly being pushed. We're like, Paul Simon puts out a record and so, and then Steely Dan goes, we're going to make a record that beats Paul Simon's, but we're going to do it Steely Dan's way. So like every individual push and Paul McCartney and like, uh, you know, every, like in the, the funk movement that was happening, nobody was trying to sound like the next guy. They were trying to just beat the other artistically. And because of that, some of the greatest music was made because everybody tried to push themselves to where they could go as a band or as an individual. And so when we look back on that and say like, oh, that was such a great time in music, it was because of how each individual was challenged to be the best of the person that they are. And so we're always gonna reach back to that because you know the playing was phenomenal, the songwriting was phenomenal. It was, it was different. Like again, this was like album-oriented rock at the time, right? right so like right. this wasn't like two-minute jams or anything like that, like that. But also like, you know, now uh, when you go to like Music Row, like there are a lot of like Carrie Underwood practically did like an 80s record. You know what I mean? Like you're hearing yeah. th those sounds come back as well. So also think about the time in the 70s. It was a very dark time in this country. There was a that's, lot. That's what I was going to say. There was. I mean, it was. I mean, I was thinking back, you know, the fear. There was so much fear. I was a little kid. I was born in 71. But just from just from having a blackout in New York and the and the 44 caliber killer you know the son of Sam to the oil embargo you know all of a sudden we were online and 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 just seeing on the news in the darkness so music you know I mean and 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 I mean forget you know the Vietnam War women's rights you know Cold racism yeah. all of it yeah. so you know to to have a big afro that's when I, I that's I said dad put that put on that record with the the, the cats, I remember learning that word. The cats with the afros. It was the BT Express. You know, why don't we do it till we're satisfied? Because whatever it is, let's do it till we're satisfied. Are we ever satisfied? The times were so terrible back then that it was an outlet, an escape, and in a way also to band together, you know, and rise up. And it was, that's why so much of it is so rolls and it rocks as well. You know, you can dance and groove, but listen to the words and the messages. I, I think there's certainly, we feel that tension today. I don't think we have the perspective that you have. I think we need more of that. That then was far more difficult than it is today. Doesn't mean it's not difficult today. Doesn't mean we don't have challenges and that we're not dealing with stuff. But I feel like it's a lot of fake tension that if you just sat down with somebody and I think this is where like listening to a full record, going to a concert with your friends, going to have coffee somewhere like there, there's it's not nearly as tense out there as like social media makes it out to be. If that's if that's a thing again, now we're off on a totally different conversation. But. Tension makes a lot of money. Yes, it does. Yeah. It, in, enragement uh, drives a lot of uh, bank accounts. That is for sure. All right. So you guys come to Nashville. Why? Why Nashville? From you, you're from Alex. You're from you're from Boston. Uh, of course, brother love from New York. We'll get to how you're uh, a Mets fan as well. Unfortunately, like I am. But um, why Nashville? How'd you guys end up here? We were in a band. I mean, like, uh, I was kicking around New York City doing my thing, and a buddy of mine had a band, and the drummer couldn't do a gig. I played drums. I knew the material because I lived with the guy when he made the record. I played one show. I enjoyed playing drums again. I hadn't done it in years. And somebody said something about Nashville. And next thing you know, I was in Nashville. I mean, it was it was just one of those things where I just said, sure, I'll go. And that was it. We went, we came down. I wasn't even a member of the band. We did a showcase at Dan McGinnis, an old spot here, yeah, yeah. right? By the Nymphs. 
right? Um, by Music Row. <laughs> right. And it was like there was a booking agent and a manager, a management company that hit up the, the, the artist from MySpace and said, do you guys play some covers? We get you on the road and you can get on, you can go tour. And we were like, yeah, but we need a guitar player. So we went back to New York, put an ad out, right? Was it the Village Voice? Oh, it was Craigslist. Craigslist, right. It was a Craigslist ad. And Alex answered the ad and became the guitar player. And that was it. We were in a van. We were playing. We were we did the whole dance. We were signed to Warner. We were dropped from Warner. The band broke up. Alex and I were living in the east uh, in East Nashville together, and we were writing songs. and the, And we recorded our first record. Um, we toured the whole country. We did a whole lot. We opened up for you know Kid Rock, and yeah. you know we played the Bridgestone Arena. You know we played. It was like it was crazy. You know, yeah, and well. and at the end of it, we learned. We didn't know about Nashville. We didn't understand the songwriting town. We didn't understand, you know, the effort and the work, where to put your energy. We it just... was pretty apparent when we first came here, though. Like, when we saw, like, what the musicians actually sounded like down here, it was jaw-dropping. And, and the caliber of songs. Like, it was pretty immediate once you, like saw and felt what was happening here it was a and it still is today an extremely yeah. humbling but, experience but what i mean is like we well i didn't like we didn't understand like when we were in a band that was like the band was being told keep writing and we were all just you know like hey well, you signed us we need to be things need to happen and we didn't get that part like i didn't gotcha. get that part that oh keep writing meaning you don't have the songs yet we we're going to cultivate you and you know the band just didn't didn't understand that and so it didn't work out now we you know and you, you know we get it now and we are so lucky to be a part of a songwriting scene that we enjoy i mean alex is a phenomenal writer we write together we write with other people and we we've had such we've had really we've had some great fun and great successes with some people just from learning the craft and appreciating uh songwriting it, it, it's so funny like i go cover sporting events the college world series is going on right now in omaha and i would go out to omaha to cover the event and i would be with friends and colleagues and peers from all across the country, New York and LA and whatever, who come in to cover this event. And then we'd be like, oh, let's go check out some music in Omaha. And I, I felt like such an asshole because I'd go listen to music with these guys and they were like, man, this guy's so good. And he's playing like a Johnny Cash cover in the basement of some like cool little bar in Omaha. But like, I just was like, that wasn't that good. Oh, no. Like that was terrible. I know, and I so feel like spoiled. such, but I feel like such an asshole because the, the people, and again, we make fun of Broadway all the time. But the musicianship on Broadway, even though they may not be playing all the stuff that they love, is extraordinary. It's We are so spoiled rotten. On every street corner, there's somebody playing really good music in this town. It's really remarkable. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like we're served the greatest hamburger ever made. <laughs> and to us now, we're just like, it's a hamburger. And right, then you leave. Right. And then someone's like, try this hamburger. You're like, that ain't no hamburger. <laughs> and, then, and then I feel like a bad person for, for insulting the cooking, you know? So, uh, all right, well, let, listen, uh, let's start with you, Brother Love, because you're a Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan. We are amidst many Braves fans down here, and and thank God no no Phillies fans, but a lot of Cardinals, a lot of Cubs, a lot of Mets. Um, sport's a big part of your, your childhood growing up, uh, obviously, in New York. Have you had a, an ability to find something and connect with something here in Nashville? I'll put it to you this way. My wife will walk into the room. She said, why are you crying? And she'll, <laughs> she'll look at me on my phone or the TV, and I'll, I will be watching a reel from the 1986 Mets. I, like I just spent another 90 minutes of my life watching something that, A, I've seen before, B, that I've lived through, but I got to have that nostalgic feeling. And I am sitting there with tears in my eyes. Baseball and football um, were huge for me as a Mets fan and a Jets fan. 
in New York. I liked the Islanders and the Nets. Um, but, but I also liked, I ended up liking all the teams cause I felt like I'm a New Yorker. So if the Knicks are on, I'm rooting for the Knicks, you know? Um, and moving to Nashville was definitely very, very, very different. So I went to, I remember going to a Titans game because the Jets played the Titans. Um, and I remembered how sweet everybody was. <laughs> I, I couldn't even believe it. Uh, they, people, I was, I'm screaming and cursing and a lunatic. And my wife is like, she was my, I don't even know if we were married back then. I think we were just dating. She said, you, there are children here. <laughs> and I said, I, so what? At, at, at the Meadowlands, there's plenty of children. You know, the, people are animals. We are animals up in New York. Disgusting. Here, people, the, if it didn't go their way, the Titans fans, they would say, man, y'all are cheaters. And I'm like, cheaters? What? That's cheaters? That's what you got? You know, you're going to, I don't feel, please. You know, and I would just be like, curse at them. And then I'm like, <laughs> now I'm going to get beat up at the end. And at the end, as we're leaving the stadium, that big guy that, of course, I had to have a big mouth because I was drinking big beers at the time. <laughs> and uh, and the Jets, and I'm screaming like an idiot New Yorker. The guy would just turn to me and goes, that's all right, man. Like, I, he was just kind and sweet. And the same with the Predators. I enjoy going to Predators games. What a family affair it was. It was so lovely, which got me, you know, I thought, wow, everybody's so soft down here. And that's not the case at all. It's just actually people do know how to have respect. And, and, uh, well, know. it's funny. I was at the soccer game on Saturday. St. Louis was, I could not believe how crazy the St. Louis fans were, but like, I kind of enjoyed it. I've got a little like SEC football and Northeastern in my blood and, and my heritage, but like, I kind of like the idea of, of a fan base coming in and being rowdy. Like, I don't, it, it's okay Same. to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, well, you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're a Boston guy. I'm not sure you have a whole lot of space to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean? <laughs> it's all the rings that get in the way of your, of, I, know, of the I get it. I get it. It's easy to be jealous with uh, Boston sports. I mean, for one year, uh, I believe the, the, the Sox won the series, the Celtics won the NBA championship and the, I believe the Bruins uh, took home the Stanley cup. So I get, it. I get it. Were we erasing our, that we're, year we're from spoiled. memory? No. I, I mean, as a as a Nashville, New York sports fan with a little bit of Green Bay mixed in, I yes, I have no problem erasing all of that, uh, especially what Tom Brady did to my Packers in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago. But um, what have you guys gravitated towards? You, you mentioned a Titans game, Alex. I'll talk to you here. What 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 have you gravitated towards? You guys are obviously sports fans. You're you're here for work. You're here for for creativity and to 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 create this. Uh, music, but you have all these other things that you're you're interested in. What have you What have you gravitated towards? Uh, I mean, the cricket scene here is fantastic. Yeah. I gotta say, um, I'm kidding. Uh, that that I, needs to come, that needs to come around. No, though. Strange, I'm strangely <laughs> enough, I think there actually is a cricket is field, there? like in like we're near the Titans practice. I think like North Nashville, there's like an actual cricket field. I I'm still not don't kidding. get like the rules of that game where like they can go know. on for like three days. <laughs> it's insane. Too, it's too much sports. But uh, not cricket uh, for me. Um, you know, I I do love the Titans. Do love the Preds, but uh, I was really stoked when uh, Nashville got a MLS team. Uh, so Nashville SC, they've been playing great. The stadium is amazing. You know, like I grew up, my uh, you know, I'm a first generation American. 
my parents are from Brazil. So like it first thing as like playing sports with my dad, it was never catch. We were just kicking a soccer ball around, you know? Um, and when the MLS happened, this was right after the 1994 world cup, when the United States hosted the 94 world cup and Brazil won, uh, against Italy in the penalty shootout. It was amazing. And it, ba- all that Baggio over the, Woo! over the, over the crossbar. Oh, man, yeah. I remember that. And, uh, anyway, so like the MLS came to, you know, we had a league. And so one of the first teams was the new England revolution. And we would go to games where the Patriots play and sell out the whole place. But when the revolution would play, they'd be like, you know, less than a thousand people there. And, but when, I go to games here and I see the stadium packed and raucous. It just feels the way soccer should feel. You know, when you see, and it's so Nashville too, which I love because like before the kickoff, like someone's like ripping a solo, you know what I mean? It's just so Nashville. I love it. Like it's, they've, they've mixed the spirit and culture of this city with the international flair of soccer. And it's only going to get bigger. Messi is now going to be on Miami FC. So, like, you're going to see just... First off, if you, if we can get tickets for that, that's going to be mind blowing. Good, good luck. Yeah, no, I know exactly. But that that's we know a guy who's got a sports radio show. <laughs> know, hey, right? we got a guy. He's pretty good. He gets He's tickets. Good. Hey. Well, too bad they play in Miami. I don't have tickets in Miami. I'll tell you though, there's you there. there's a couple things where I'm like, I was hoping for an MLB team. That's um, going to happen. And now, if that doesn't happen, you know, what would be great for this city would be a WNBA team. I mean that. Oh yeah, that would be that fun. would be rad. I, I think with the history of, of women's basketball in the state, I think I actually think you are more likely to get a WNBA team than a baseball team. Hmm. You think so? Yeah. Mostly because uh, you need like $3 billion and a place to build a stadium, and we don't have either of those things right now for baseball. But Pat Summit and, and the history of the Lady Vols and totally. the, the growth of women's sports right now, I, it is there's no reason why we should not have a WNBA team in this town. We got the arena for it. It's just sitting right there. Yeah, ready to Come ready on. to be used. So, yeah. um, you you talk about the spirit of Nashville a lot. I've I've talked to both of you guys about this. What um, before we tell everybody one more time about where they can get the record and where they should come out and find you guys. Just where do you think Nashville's going? You got the pro sports town. You got three professional sports leagues. We have decided that we are a big city now, but we still have this gritty underbelly of rock and roll and hip hop and and blues and outlaw country. What where's the spirit of this town going in ten years? From from a musician's perspective, you can go further. Wow, I, it's I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's sort of like it could just feels like it feels very familiar to me. So I grew up in Queens, closer to Long Island, and my adult life was in the East Village of of New York, arguably the coolest city in the world. In the world, I mean, for a good amount of time, and I was rocking and rolling. I was in a band all the time. I worked in a restaurant. I toured. I was able to somehow live in New York City, Manhattan, lower Manhattan, somehow managed to pay the rent, live a good life. I don't know how I did it. And that, so that's happening here now. People are able to live, play music, tour, play on Broadway, do odd jobs, all the things. But it's less now than it was five years ago. And what will happen is, is all the growth, we're living through growing pains. We're growing out of our own skin, which is an amazing thing if you think about it. I mean, like, history will we'll look back and say, wow, I was there when that bridge was built. You know, yeah. wow. I mean, and literally, hopefully, all bridges will be building and not knock down and divide us all. But um, 
I, I'm a little bit wary and a little bit nervous that it's just going to be overpriced, outpriced. If I were to sell my house now as a right, person right, say, yeah. you know, everybody says the same thing. I couldn't afford to live here. So I don't know where it's going to head, you know, as far as the underbelly. The underbelly just, the underbelly always just finds a new place. You know, really, <laughs> underbelly. Like water, water finds its level, right? Like, it's ex- mm-hmm. exactly right. You know, places where you can have a young population, a gay population, LGBTQ. You know, you can have artists of all walks of life who can say, I feel safe. I can afford this or I can barely scrape, but I'm going to get by because I, this is where I belong and I'm around my people. And uh, as long as that's here, then we'll be all right. You know, so you got to be able to afford to pay the rent. Yeah, I, I completely agree with all that. Um, you know, I, the industry side is going to stay put and do fine because they are making, they're making money. So they're paying rent and then some, um, you know, Broadway is going to ossify like say a Memphis where it's like, you know, or it's got like, or like a Vegas where it's like you come here and that'll always be there. But as far as the burgeoning and growing artistic side, that is like art does. It's going to move. It's fluid. That's what happens. Like Nashville became, people moved to Nashville because you could make art here and do it full time. And when that stops, you then will may go to Indianapolis or other cities around that, you know, where it's, it's cheap and you have, uh, you know, and there's room to to make your city your own. Like a Detroit is just waiting to yeah. become was, the next so big cold. city. You know what I was thinking is Louisville has Louisville's well. Louisville has like a, a grittiness to it still mm-hmm. that that has not been polished yet. Yeah, that could be. You know, listen, don't leave, guys. Stay here in Nashville. So that's what well, we, that's, what, was, that's what we want. There was exactly. a place called Sunshine Soulshine Pizza. Uh, in Midtown, Midtown, and we used to play music there on the rooftop, and it was a great, it was a great bar, great pizza joint. It was just a great hang. It was fantastic. And then people moved into the new high rises, and all complained that there was too much noise. They moved to Music City, then they complained of all the noise, and that place is gone. That's not here anymore. So that that's a come to. You know. All right. Well, I can't end on that note because there's no. too, there's, there, because there's too there's too many of those in in my like young twenties you know that are closed Back now. In my day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now that I'm over forty and have two children and cl- is clearly middle aged. So here's the thing: tell everybody about the record. Tell everybody where they can get it. Tell everybody when they can get it. And of course. July 1st, Basement East record release party. That is where you can purchase it with your fingers, with your hands. You can take it home and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. No, no, so, tell, tell everybody. Oh, okay. you want us? You just did such you a beautiful job. <laughs> July 1st, we are Them Vibes. We are going to be at the Basement East in East Nashville, Tennessee with Ace Monroe. It's going to be a party of the summer that we're going to rock and we're going to roll. Um, and our single... Oh, uh, our single, Power, uh, which is going to be the last single we're releasing on this record before we release it all to DSPs, uh, will be coming out June 30th. And if you can't wait for any of that to happen, because we're so impatient, which I get, uh, you can go to Grimey's, you can go to The Groove, or Vinyl Tap to pick up your copy of Sonic Chameleonic. Themvibes.com as well. You can get to them all over the socials. You guys know the drill. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Alex and Brother Love, thank you so much. Best of luck on the record. And uh, if, you look at, if you're looking for a fun, all-around wonderful evening, July 1st, Basement East, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thanks, brother. Thanks.
All right, that was then vibes. Sort of a different episode this week, but I think a really interesting perspective from two guys outside of the area, but have been here for 10 years on what it is like to sort of try to be a true independent artist, do the whole thing yourself. Uh, and again, they, they live here, they operate here, they love Nashville now, and some interesting thoughts on where Nashville's going. Um, but uh, again, really fun band, really great record. Go, go check them out July 1st. Um, you can only buy the record if you go to the album release party or if you go to one of the local record shops, as they mentioned. Uh, otherwise, the, the digital version won't be out uh, till like September. So I think it's a cool strategy on how they're trying to get people interested from a grassroots element in their music. So uh, just two really fun guys, really smart guys, really thoughtful. And uh, you heard him talk. You heard Alex talk about how, you know, anytime we can take shots at like the New England Revolution and uh, and how terrible their fans are and how great Geodis is. I got no problem with that. You know, I mean, you you put a you put a stadium 35 40 miles away from from yeah, its yeah. fan base you you're going to have chronic attendance problems yeah look at that wow shocking shock. shocking uh go to jaspers everybody uh go check out their record come to the album release party july 1st uh, there there is um there's there's a lot of things you guys have requested i think we've been working on like the the rsn topic regional sports network topic for a long time i've been trying to get some information on that you guys have been asking about a lot of different things and so we'll we'll get to some of those topics as the summer unfolds but I, I think steve we are contractually obligated as middle-aged sports writers to discuss the recent release of jason isbell's new record in the 400 unit it's 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 a legal obligation of ours that we have to discuss the record especially on a on a on a show where we talk about music right isn't that it, it's the it, rules it, yeah it, it's only our duty so here's my initial reaction steve this is his most complicated dirtiest most guttural work since southeastern he is working through some shit uh it is a very varied and dynamic record i think it is better than almost anything he's done since southeastern my i don't know why my six and five year old love the song death wish so much that's a little concerning for me since it's about a girl with a death wish uh but man he he is working through some stuff and i think he wrote the entire thing kind of by himself before he brought it to the band uh, I, I think it is his most complex and interesting and like deep in the, the weed psychologically of, of his life uh, and those around him. I mean, he talks about his marriage. He talks about Justin Towns Earl. He has a song about JTE. Like there is a lot there, dude. I don't know how you reacted, but I just my one of my first reactions was, man, you're going through some shit, Jason. I mean, I, yes. I mean, there is some personal stuff in there. Like, for instance, I mean, when you hear a song like Save the World, which is which is written about Uvalde, but here in Nashville will cut you a little bit differently. Yep. Um, because of Covenant, um, is is a really interesting and powerful song. See, I I thought that I, I, there, he has a bunch of personal stuff on there, but I was I was kind of glad to see him writing character a, a bit more than than he has in in recent albums i i I found it you know the the personal stuff is in there but but i found there to be more uh, more written from character perspective um than 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 i than i'd seen before like you know like something like king of oklahoma or or something like i mean like one of my favorite tracks on the uh, on the album is uh, is a song called this ain't it oh what a Uh, great right that will soar through the ryman auditorium by the way I know, and and it's and it you know it's it's a song about it's a song about having a conversation 
with uh with a, a friend about a relationship that they should not be in um and and it but it, but it's very much it's very much in character as much as it is kind of like his sort of personal his kind of personal life and, and i but and don't you think don't you just quickly because like i would go back to his early stuff and say that there was a lot of that dress blues is a perfect example of a song that is written about a character it is a, is written about a, a, a military personnel who who dies too young and but isn't there always what makes him so great as a writer is that he's writing these character stories but he is because of his life he understands that character story maybe so much more and therefore there's always like this little injection of himself into each one of those stories certainly I mean, I, I think, written from a blue collar standpoint i i think you're seeing i mean there's a level of maturity that that he has as a writer and a level of confidence that he has as a writer that he he didn't have when you know he was 23 and cranking out songs for drive by truckers and even and though do, he wrote, and doing crank <laughs> yeah and even though he was do even though he was was doing a bunch of really interesting songs at the time uh, you know his stuff today is so much more uh, there's so much more craft into it yeah, yeah. uh and and it's just I was I was stunned at kind of like kind of going through just kind of like how well crafted these songs, even though uh, they have a little less polish than than uh, than uh, than some of some stuff on previous albums. You know, it, it's it's a very straightforward. You know, some of it's just kind of straightforward rock and roll. Yeah, I I love how varied it is. Like you can go from very slow acoustic cast iron skillet to this ain't it rock and roll, which has some Stones influence. There's his like typical trademark sort of like storytelling acoustic mix of rock and roll. Middle of the morning is probably my favorite song. That one will also soar through the rhyme, and it's weird. And um, and as the them vibes we're talking about, like we are so spoiled in this town that when I listen to a record, I'm almost like, how will this play at the rhyme? And I'm like, that's how I decide which songs I love because we're so stinking spoiled. Um, I think I, I think if to your point about it being more polished and and more varied, I was concerned that it was going to be another version of Nashville Sound or Reunions, and and I, like those are great records. I love all of his music, but I am glad that this is a a turn for him in terms of what whatever you want to call it, maturity, songwriting, psychological focus, character development, whatever. It it is very different than I think his last two or three records, and it sounds a lot more How like southeastern to me. How'd you feel about that album after watching the doc? We we talked about the the HBO documentary um, that that he did. How, how'd you feel about listening to those songs? But I I think a lot of Isbell fans have have listened to have listened to songs and 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 view everything through the relationship that he has with his wife Amanda Shires and 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 kind of like their relationship and they've been very public about you know. Uh, about issues that have happened and you know you saw him you know move out of the house for a week and live you know live at, <laughs> living at the omni uh in the middle of the documentary um i so i took I, some, I, I, I took some of that to be like i'm working on the record and i need to be close to the record and i think that was during quarantine right so i yeah. i think there's more to it than that but they have been very open about how they were almost close to like separating um i, I you know like dreamsicle to me is a very typical like southern alabama jason isbell telling the story of a blue collar friday night like dreamsicle is a great song um i i don't i don't love the i mean letting you go i if you write an, if jason isbell writes an acoustic song about being a dad of daughters i will just start crying that's it like you know something to love and letting you go 
I, I did not. I don't love the record. Like, there's a lot of '80s Mark Knopfler stuff in there. Very Dire Straits. A couple of those songs. I know you love some of those songs, but I, I'm not as big I a like, fan of those. I like '80s Mark Knopfler Dire Straits <laughs> stuff. I mean, I could put on Brothers in Arms right now. But I love I love the stuff he never like. I like River a lot on that record, and he never will play that song probably like at, live, you know. Uh, but that's like to me, River is it is a song about a guy who gets away with murder all the time. Like that's a but it's written in this very beautiful acoustic way. Like, I don't know. Like that's, that's the Jason Isbell stuff. I love the most is this weird, like either really powerfully positive or really dark. And some of that, some of some of reunions in Nashville sound is sort of somewhere in the middle. And as my buddies call it, uh, dad porch rock, it gets a little too dad porch rocky <laughs> sometimes. And I don't think this record is dad porch rock at all. I, I think the new one is excellent. So big, big fan better than the last. I, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call it better than the last few, but I would say uh, I, I would say it's quite excellent. Yep. There you go. All right. We've fulfilled our legal obligation to discuss Jason Isbell as two middle aged male <laughs> sports writers in Nashville, Tennessee. It's required. It's required. It's in the bylaws. Um, all right. If you want great election coverage, first of all, go to Basement East on July 1st. It will be a fun rock and roll show. Check out the record. Them vibes. Uh, Sonic Chameleonic is the name of it. it uh, the Power is the single. It'll be out June 30th. Um, but it's going to be a fun time. I'll be out there probably. So come hang out and want to come say hello. Check out the new product. Pod Bless Nashville, of course. Myself, Jamie Holland, covering all things Nashville. Politics, metro government, news, history, community, etc. So please go check that out. And if you'd like to sign up for election coverage daily, where should the good folks go, Steve? You should go to the you should go to nationalbanner.com, give us your email. We have a daily election uh email which goes out. I mean, today uh we're recording this on Thursday morning. Today's a good example. Uh there were there were four things in the election notebook uh today. There was a um a story from Connor uh, Dariani about uh disability advocates and kind of making Nashville more accessible and these advocates like looking for candidates to kind of promote ex- an accessibility agenda. Uh, for people who have a hard time getting around Nashville, uh, as it as Nashville is currently constructed, um, but there's also, I mean, we've been doing this kind of ad watch feature where we look at a look at ads uh, that political candidates are putting up as they happen. There's one from Alice Rowley. There is, uh, we've got a kind of a, a a short thing on controversy around a Planned Parenthood um, endorsement and some candidates getting left out who maybe shouldn't have been or or feel like they shouldn't have been and then uh <laughs> we we've got an excerpt from uh from a from a Nashville Post interview that Stephen Elliott did uh with Jonathan Williamson uh who is uh, uh who made kind of anti-semitic anti-immigrant anti-vaccine argument I mean uh, uh statements on Great. social tremendous. media tremendous um all in all but all in today's email and so a little bit of everything and um and and we've been um we've been uh delivering it to you daily so sign up at nashvillebanner.com uh there you have it all of the music today that you heard of course from them vibes so again go check out the record appreciate those guys hanging out uh so for steve cavendish nashville banner i am braden gall thank you for listening rate review and subscribe tell your friends about all the great products across the 440 sports network and now 440 media i guess now that we're 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 venturing out of the sports world so go check out all that great stuff we do appreciate you thanks for listening have a great weekend everybody we'll talk to you next week